guys and welcome back to the podcast, solo podcast today. I don't know whether I will be able to hook up with George tomorrow, which is a shame, but we may keep them to bi-weekly, uh, so every two weeks. But tomorrow I've got to drive back from Sheffield. I'm up in Sheffield right now, as you can see by the different surroundings. I am here for Danny's birthday meal, so it's Danny's birthday on Saturday. So make sure if you have her on Instagram, send her a DM. Uh, <laughs> can't believe I'm recommending my followers and subscribers to slide into my girlfriend's DMs, but uh, it's, it's on a nice front, so slide into the DMs, uh, wish her a happy birthday on Saturday, and yeah, uh, so we've got some cool plans for, for the weekend, uh, which she doesn't yet know about, but she will do this evening, and she won't listen to this by then, so um, they're going to be pretty exciting, there's a, a bit of a surprise, um, so I'll be going away this weekend. That's all I'm going to say. So, other than that, I obviously had a really good weekend last weekend. Bit of an update on, on how that went at the UK DFBA UK International Championships. I'm showing a t-shirt uh, if you're not listening on the, the video. Apologies also, it's the audio's a bit poorer than usual. I'm not using my microphone. I'm just using my laptop audio. So, potentially it's a little bit poorer than the microphone. But yeah, hopefully you can hear me okay. But yeah, I was at the UK International Championships, UK and International Championships last weekend with the UK DFBA. Obviously, on the Saturday, helping set up, uh, got to feel and hold the overall title belt, which was incredible, and got to sort of lay out all the WMBF Pro trophies and medals and Oh, just uh, the like feeling little things like that for me is such a good thing because it helps me visualize what I want. Visualization is huge for me. So, like, I've even asked. Like, I remember when Dan Lampard, who won his pro card in Boston, he got given uh, a bag, like a WMF professional bag, as winning the pro card. The pro card's also made out of cardboard, so. The pro card to look at isn't really something so so amazing, but the the bag is pretty cool. And I so I told him in the morning of the, sh the after the show, I was like, I want to see your bag. I want to hold the bag. <laughs> so I went up to his room. I held the bag in my hands, and I just imagined having that myself. Because obviously, if you know me, you know one of my biggest long term goals is to to get that card at some point. Uh, at some point, hopefully, being twenty twenty. Uh, so other than that. Things are, are all good with me. I took four days off, so I had an extended rest uh, slash deload. So through Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Saturday and Sunday were easy because I was obviously at the show, helping set up the show on the Saturday, and then obviously around the show on the Sunday. So taking those rest days wasn't too hard, although seeing some of the UK DFBA guys training in the, in the hotel gym was so tempting. I was like, fuck, like... So it only happens once a year, what if I jump in, surely it'll be fine, and no, I didn't, I didn't jump in, did my usual rest day cardio with Danny in the morning of the show, and then Monday and Tuesday, a little bit harder, and because I basically, my usual time gap for training was just filled with nothing, and it was really hard, it was really difficult, and I was like going out for walks, etc, and then I just reminded myself, at least, like, I'm not injured, at least I'm healthy, at least I'm pain-free, etc. I've got a small niggle in my left side of my lower back from pulling today, 
but I know exactly why. This is all why context is important. I traveled an hour and a half before I pulled, and it's never a good idea for me to travel before I deadlift. I should never do that. Learn my lesson today. We all learn lessons, and one of them was learned today, and that's fine by me. I have no issues with that. Um, all I've got to focus on now is I just immediately stretched it. I immediately, I did two sets instead of three on my deads because I sort of felt a little bit of a niggle on the second set. And I was just like, right, they called it quits there. The rest of the session was fine. Primarily, the rest of the session was chest supported anyway. So I was fine. And then obviously, when you get home initially after tweaking something, it gets inflamed. So my advice is ibuprofen or ibuprofen gel and then ice or any ice or heat um, either or is fine just try and bring down inflammation as much as possible um, but yeah hopefully it will be fine over the coming days but we will see um, but if anything it's nothing nothing serious I am still on my feet um, but besides that I am all good uh, calories are coming up because I need to gain body weight I just need to gain body weight right now I'm, I'm obviously throughout the the time off I was at maintenance calories. A few people did ask on Instagram what I did with my calories. So my calories were anywhere between 3.2 and 3.3 thousand, um, obviously not 320. Um, so yeah, 3,000, 200 and 3,300, which inclusive of my step total being 12 to 15K, I just liked going out for walks. That had me at about maintenance. Um, so I haven't actually weighed in today because I traveled really early to get to here um, but over the last few days I've been hovering again in the 169 170 region and the fact is I just can't hover there anymore I've got to see that come up so I'll be aiming for uh, hopefully over the course of the next month hopefully by by December I'll be sort of like 175 ish I'd like to be sort of there that would be good that would be a productive range for me and then we can move forward so it's a bit of an update on me hopefully that all makes sense and it's always nice to sort of talk through where I'm at because I do this sometimes with Steve Hall, we voice note back and forth and sometimes it makes us both think quite critically and we both start to analyse as to whether we're doing something right or wrong and sometimes I've questioned what he does, he questions what I do and it's nice, it sort of makes us both quite well grounded in, in what we do. It's sometimes nice to have someone obviously equally as as clued up to be going back and forth and obviously Danny, Danny is that for me as well. Sorry if my nose looks a bit red as well on the video. Um, not sure if that will bother anyone. I don't think it will. Um, but on the, uh, I was warming up today, and I usually I do a barbell complex for deadlifts. So I do a stiff leg deadlift, a bent over row, um, and then an overhead press. And on the overhead press, I smashed the barbell right into the um, right into the nostril. So, so yeah, hence why my nose is probably a little bit red because I did that as well as tweaked my back. So yeah, fantastic day, <laughs> fantastic day back in the gym for me. But yeah, let's track crack into some questions, guys. So as always, I hope you appreciate the updates from myself. Let me know if you just want Q&A and you'd rather me not do an update on myself. Of course, let me know about that. So first question, Liam Burke, Birkbeck PT. What is the max rate of fat loss suitable for maintaining muscle at 15 to 18% body fat? So if you're truly 15 to 18% body fat, it really depends what the goal is, Liam. So if the goal is to get contest ready, you need a slower rate of loss. Because if you're looking for maximum muscle mass retention, rate of loss will dictate that. 
and it's been proven in studies. Um, Peter Fitchin did a fantastic study on natural bodybuilding contest prep and a specifically rate of loss. I actually had Peter on a podcast with myself and he talked a lot about how the rate of loss influences lean muscle retention. So you should be losing roughly a percentage of your body weight uh, per week in order to retain maximum muscle mass. If we look into how we can lose faster, then a mini cut can be uh, a way in which we can lose faster. Potentially a photo shoot or just getting beach lean. Those can be losing at faster rates because you're not getting as lean. If the goal is to get super duper peels, you're going to have to lose slower. It's just the map. Obviously, the leaner you get, the slower you lose. That's what you've got to put into your perspective. It totally depends what your goal is, Liam. If your goal is the stage, slow rate of loss, check out the podcast with Peter. If your goal is not the stage, then you can afford to lose a little bit faster. So let's say, let's take me. For example, my mini cut, I went from 185 to 167 fairly, fairly flipping quick. Like that took about seven weeks and that would not be appropriate for a contest prep. The only way in which that would be appropriate is if I was doing a prep before the prep and that was just setting me up for my longer fat loss phase. All right, so I hope that makes sense, Liam. Next question from Liam as well. Do you think intra-workout drinks are useful when reducing body fat? Highly balanced cyclodextrin, protein, and EAAs. Absolutely. It's one of the only things that I, in a diet for a client, I'll be doing pretty much, one of the things that I learned this year is I want to do meal plans for pretty much every one of my prep clients. I really want to control the variables more and understand what foods they're eating because like giving macros is fine even to the experienced individual, but when it gets to peaking and understanding what foods work and don't work, it's really important to actually have an awareness of, of the, the food groups that someone is eating and when they are eating them. Super important. So something, and again, I am a blank canvas in terms of coaching. I want to learn more. I want to develop more. So for me, that was the realization that I came to this year. And I was like, fine, cool. I need to go down a different route. I also need to see people in person more. So we learn, we learn, we learn. Um, the best way to learn is to do, is to action. Uh, so do I think they report? Absolutely. So I keep a minimum of 20 grams of carbs into workout my entire prep, even when calories were super low. And EAAs I would have in there as well. I think as a catalyst for mu muscle protein synthesis, anti-catabolism, um, I think that you just, yeah, you just need to have them in throughout. They should be present throughout contest prep. Very helpful in terms of recovery. It's a peak window of time. You are most sensitive to nutrients at that point in, of the, in, in the day. If you were not putting in some form of intra workout, I think you'd be short selling yourself in terms of recovery capabilities. All right. Um, so another question. <clears throat> this question may sound odd, but how do I block out people who found our routines of meals, <clears throat> fitness, etc., lifestyle? Um, I'm guessing your question, Hamza, is how do you block out the people that don't agree with what you're doing, right? Um, you sim It's quite simple. You just block them out. And I'm not really going to go into too much more depth. You just need to remove those people from your life. It's quite short and simple. And if they don't appreciate what you do, fine. Like, legit, fuck them. <laughs> um, if they're family members and friends, of course, you've got to be a little bit more careful with that. But if they're if they're just people that, if they're your friends, question why they're your friends. 
if they're your family, try and explain. Because obviously family have got to stay around. Friends can come and go. But family have got to stay around. So try and explain it to your family if they're not getting it. Um, if, if your friends aren't getting it, try and explain. If they don't listen, goodbye. Pretty simple. Connor, do you keep in touch with the guys who beat you as a teen? Would be interesting to see them now. So yeah, a couple of be people that beat me as a teen who are doing very well at the moment. Tyler Cook, he's like the shadow. He hasn't stepped on stage since a teen, but he will at some point in maybe 3020. But <laughs> that's just a joke. He is fantastic. He's amazing. Look him up, Tyler Cook on Instagram. He was fantastic as a teen. Everyone was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, and now, obviously, he's, I think he's very open about the fact that he's assisted. And um, he's making fantastic progress, progress, and he'll be amazing when he comes back. Another person that probably would have beaten me as a teen that's very good, but we never competed together, is Damien Harrier. I love him. Um, he's doing very well now. Uh, Dale Bett beat me as a teen. He is doing very well. He'll be back as a junior again soon or a lightweight, I think, and he'll do very well. Steve McDonald beat me as a teen. Uh, he's also a junior world champion. We have challenges on glute strength. Um, but yeah, he's he's great as well. He's doing well. I think he's coming back as a lightweight next year. He'll be very good. And who else? Ash O'Connell, who again is very open about, I think, hopping over to the assisted side. Uh, he's very good as well. He won an NAC UK title last year, and I think he went to Worlds with that. So, yeah, I there's some very, very good people that beat me as a team um, that have gone on to do great things. I'm trying to think of anyone else. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, there was a guy called Max as well. He beat me as a team in, like, 20, 2014. I coached him for a bit. Um, then we sort of – he went down different routes. So, But he was good as well. He would have been good if he kept bodybuilding. <laughs> um, so, Connor – would four meals only on a rest day be adequate for MPS, spaced fairly evenly? Uh, yeah, I think so. Pretty short and blunt answer. I think maximizing muscle protein. If you want to maximize muscle protein synthesis, I'd say five to six. So four meals and two, two protein snacks. Um, Jose Antonio seems to back that up as well. He was on recently uh, on um, Revive Strongest podcast. He did a great podcast about protein, and he recommended four meals and two two to three snacks of protein to maximize the uh, elevated muscle protein synthesis response. So, yeah, I would say that but four, four meals will do you. It will do fine, but it's not the best. So if you want the best, look towards uh, five or six. Connor again, best intra workout formula. So mentioned before, twenty five of uh, twenty five to fifty grams of highly balanced cyclodextrin. I probably personally wouldn't go above seventy grams. Um, I think you're starting to then interrupt digestion. If we start to interrupt digestion intra workout, we're going to look to start to interrupt blood flow because if we're looking at digestion as a process, we're taking blood to be able to do that. And what we want is we want maximum blood flow to the tissue, not to the gut and not to the digestive system. So if we're looking at pounding massive intra-workout shakes, I think that's a very, I think that's a problem, and that's a problem for some people. So if calories are getting high where you have to do that, then I don't know, you need to question your structure. But I'd say 70 grams being a, a max of carbs, and then protein can be set at, you know, 10 grams of EAAs is, is enough. Uh, you could add Pepto Pro there if you have the, the cash to be able to do that. But you're going to achieve the same thing with EAA for a less, a lower cost. What to do when you feel pain in the hips from deadlifting? Tips to remove it. So I think some, I got some pain 
my uh, hips deadlifting now and again. Um, a good stretch is the couch stretch, so just get one foot back on, on a couch, uh, go forwards into a lunge, and that should alleviate any pressure on your hips. Um, again, hips can lead into the SI joint, can start to influence lower back recovery, so I'd make sure that you're stretching those areas, and also analyze as to what you're doing prior to your deadlift. So how does your microcycle look? Microcycle, for those that don't know, is your week of training. So what comes before you deadlift? Is it a squat? Um, is it a uh, RDL? Is it something that's affecting your hips before you deadlift? Um, are you sitting in the car a long time before you deadlift? You know, I, I learned today I can't sit in the car before I deadlift. This, this doesn't work. So yeah, um, those are some things to think about there. Greg asked two questions managing water on show day and sweating on stage so first up managing water i would drink fairly normally within reason so within reason being that you don't want to bloat yourself so i personally have a little bit less than my usual water on show day but enough to transport nutrients because the worst thing that you could possibly do is eat a shit ton on show day and drink no water um, that makes no sense scientifically. If we're looking at how nutrients are transported, water is one of the primary tools. So if you do not have hydration status, you will simply not transport nutrients. And all they will be doing is, is sitting in your gut. Uh, good luck looking good on stage with that look. So water is, is definitely something you would keep in on show day. Um, if you want to sort of look at it from the perspective of how much... I would say 200 to 250 mils per meal is pretty pretty beneficial or pretty standard. I'd say females could benefit from less because most of my females will eat pretty minimal food on show day. So therefore, minimal water is required, just enough to keep them hydrated and uh, not feeling like they're extremely thirsty. Okay, sweating on stage. Some of the causes of sweating on stage is just genetic. Some people more sweat more than others. Um, other causes of, of sweating is um, simply spending too long pumping up and just getting too hot. Uh, see, people basically do like their final workout on earth backstage, which is probably just a bit excessive for the goal of just getting a pump for the stage, bearing in mind that you are going to be posing and getting harder and harder as a result of that. Um, obviously, you want to have a pump when you go out and hit that first pose, but you don't want to be gassed to the point where you can't even flex properly on stage. Um, and you're sweating and your tans running. So a lot of it's genetic based, uh, which is unfortunate, like some people would sweat more than others. Um, again, managing things like, if you've noticed that a lot of water consumption and a lot of salt consumption causes excess sweating, then maybe manage that a bit on show day. But if you've, if you've also noticed that a lot of water and a lot of so salt causes your best look, then fuck the sweating. Uh, you've just got to breathe and try and keep yourself cool as much as possible because you're going to prefer the better look than sweating. So hope that makes sense, Greg. He also asked another question. What would you eat if the world ran out of oats? Um, I think I'd try and like transport myself to another planet that did have oats because that would just be worth, worth everything. I don't know what I'd do if the world ran out of oats. I'd, I'd be lost. No more defeats fitness, how to set up your refeed. So again, this is very individual based, but I would say that setting up a refeed comes from the perspective of um, looking at your off-season carb intake as a start point and understanding the response to refeeds. So we could initially go with, 
you know, so let's say you were dieting on your low days, your normal low days during dieting were like 350 carb. Um, a high day for you might look anywhere between 500 and 700. You know, everyone's very individual with the amount of carbohydrates that they can tolerate, especially when they're lean. For me, I could tolerate a significant amount of carbohydrates when lean. Um, my refeed days were 700 to 750 grams when I was having refeed days. And in fact, I had a refeed day before my first show as a method of peaking. And I thought that it would work really, really well because the data had given me the data to to present a uh, an understanding that that would probably work best. I had 700 grams before the BMBF Midlands and I dropped 0.8 and I looked flat and soft because I wasn't even ready for that show. So bad news. So basically, set a baseline, perhaps just below your off-season carb intake. I'd bring dietary fat down to a minimum, trace pretty much. So my dietary fats on refeed were 35, 40 grams. You want to prioritize carbohydrates in this window. And I'd bring protein down to very close to a gram per body weight, um, per pound of body weight. So 180 pounds, 180 protein. And that would be from all sources, not just highly bioavailable. Bio that would be from all sources. So very low protein on that day. Again, prioritizing the digestion of carbohydrates, prioritizing them as a fuel source. The goal is to replenish glycogen. If you're having a refeed, that would tell me that you're depleted. Um, hence why at the end of my prep, I had no refeeds. I don't actually think refeeds are a great tool. I think that linear macros will pay off more for most people. I think linear macros and perhaps rotations of macros, so macros that suit the energy demands of the day so for example leg days being higher than a push day for example would work better than having a one day of a high day i also think that two high days is going to work better than one i also think that seven high days is going to work better than two and that would be a diet break you know a diet break could last as a minimum of a week so I'd prefer, I think, the next prep that I do, I'll do fairly linear macros with maybe slight rotations on days um, and considering the output level. And then I'd probably have either a double day refeed or diet, more diet breaks. That's probably the way that I'd plan things. The way that I'd plan the diet break is pretty similar to having just multiple refeeds, just of a lower caloric amount, most likely. Can PT firing clients? Have you ever fired a client? Why would you, etc.? If a client was non-responsive and they were still paying me, I'd immediately say, like, I'm just going to cancel your payment. There's no point in you paying me for a service you're not getting. And that would be the only reason that I would consider firing a client without um, a discussion. If I felt like we weren't getting what we needed out of the process or we had a disagreement or we just weren't matching with each other, then I'd have, an, I'd have a discussion, a back and forth conversation on Skype or a phone call, and then we'd move forwards from there. Um, but yeah, I'd always have a discussion if I felt like there was one there. I wouldn't just fire them. Um, but I haven't actually had to fire a client, never. I've never taken someone on board that I don't feel like I can work with effectively. Jamie, on a gaining phase, if you're hungry at the end of the day, would you have an extra meal? No, a lot of people are hungry in a gaining phase. Um, a lot of people just have significantly higher appetites and if you're hungry, fantastic, cool, uh, but deal with it, dude. Um, your hunger will probably drop off and dissipate at some point when calories get higher, but if you don't have a reason to add the food, do not add the food. You, you, don't, earn, you don't have the ability to process more calories just out of being more hungry. 
So listen to your body to an extent. If you're hungry and your weight is dropping, of course, you will have an extra meal. <laughs> you need an extra meal. You need more calories. But if you're hungry and your weight is still going up at the rate that you need and your performance is good, no need for more calories. Do not eat another meal. That's my stance there, Jamie. I hope that makes sense. Liam, when to increase calories on a bulk if weight doesn't increase after a few... Do you do it after a few days or do you wait a week? Um, so, Liam, I would wait longer than a few days. Um, if your weight is going up every few days, like significantly, you're gaining far too fast. I would wait probably... I'd, I only really make changes to people's diets in an off-season phase every two weeks or so. Usually you find a caloric amount that just keeps them gaining at the right rate. For example, one of my clients, Brad, I've kept him on the same calories for at least five months. The calorie intake that he was on was just working, and that's it. You know, I didn't need to change it. My calories, I seem to be a little bit more adaptive on the way up than the way down. Um, I'm pretty adaptive on the way down, but I'm a little bit more on the way up. So I seem to raise, and then after a week or maybe even a week and a half, I'll have to make another increase. I have to make another increase, another increase, because my weight will almost get static. This is this is how my weight looks when I'm gaining. Static, up, hold, maybe drop. Static, up, hold, maybe drop. Like that's it. So and then the drop comes just before I raise calories again. Then I raise calories, static. Some point it will go up. It will like go up just one morning. It won't go up steadily. That's the same with me on the way down. I will be static and then I'll drop. Static, drop. Um, obviously, I don't really tend to go up when I'm... Well, I might fluctuate up, but I don't tend to go up on average when I diet. It's usually like static, drop, static, drop. And the drop will come like one morning. And same with the increases. The increase will just come one morning. I'll be like, oh, I've been 169 a week. Step on the scale. 170.8 yeah fantastic like two pounds um but that's why you've got to focus on averages so look at averages and then see where you're at make increases off of that kale best natty test boosting supplements health subs and dosages so personally i don't believe that there's any natty test boosters that can really give us enough of a benefit enough of a boost of testosterone so I would say don't bother. Um, and that's even from someone who's sponsored by a company that actually has a product for that. So if we look at testosterone and we look at hormones on a whole, how can we increase testosterone? Reduce cortisol. All right. So if we reduce cortisol maximally, we're probably going to get a better testosterone amount. All right. So or free flowing test will be higher. So if we look at how we're going to do that, we look at into supplements like magnesium glycinate. We look into supplements like ashwagandha. Um, if we can be in a more relaxed state, we're going to most likely have higher testosterone levels. All right. So I'd invest heavily in making sure that you are relaxing your nervous system at the right points of the day. Um, invest heavily in, in supplements like magnesium, ashwagandha, etc. One supplement that I, have, uh, that I do use, it's actually really good for your skin as well, is maca powder. Uh, maca powder has some research in terms of boosting testosterone as well. I literally put five uh, five grams in a morning shake, five grams in an evening shake. It's my uh, fruits and greens supplement. Put maca powder with that. And uh, like I don't think that will make enough of a difference, but it's something. 
Um, alongside that, making sure that you're getting enough essential fatty acids, and those are coming from good sources. So either an omega three supplement like Core Flex, uh, it's not Core Flex, Core Omega, um, or looking into Nordic oil, or looking into fishes like salmon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Get your get your healthy fatty acids in because a lot of people do not do that and are probably not maximizing the benefits in terms of hormonal profiles that we get out of that. So, okay, I hope that makes sense. Don't waste your money and definitely don't buy a product without checking it, all right? So a lot of people like think, oh, I'll buy this Test Booster Max. And they buy this Test Booster Max and they realize that Test Booster Max is banned by water and they can't compete for three years, maybe even worse, seven years, okay? You could even take a pro-hormone by accident, all right? So... Uh, we're lucky we're in a day and age now where I think pro, 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 pretty sure pro-hormones are banned in the UK now. But we're in a day and age now where a lot more people are checking. They're using like the BMBF forum for drug testing. Um, so just search BMBF banned substances on Facebook and you can find the group. And you can check any supplement in there uh, that's obviously used through the BMBF drug testing. Um, and then you can use the WADA website or Global Dro to check other supplements. Um, but I'd always recommend using the Facebook group. And wait, always wait until Davy J replies. Davy J, who runs the drug testing for BMBF, will reply to your post. He will check the ingredients. Do not take what someone else says as gospel. I've seen it plenty of times now. Competitors will comment saying, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then you just want to wait until... The man tells you it's fine. I will never take anything until the man tells me it's fine. Um, until Davey says it's fine, I will not put it in my mouth. Um, so yeah, that's that. But I would always double check. I'm very OCD with that. Uh, I cannot tell your username. It's just a bunch of letters. But he asked, been squatting religiously for three years. Would you recommend to take squats out the plan for a while? No. Like, no. If the squat... If you've been squatting religiously for three years and they're not causing you any pain or injury, keep squatting. Just put more weight on the bar. That is my most simple answer. Like, unless they're causing you an issue, don't rotate that exercise. Um, if you're progressively overloading them, do not rotate that exercise. How would you determine whether someone was beginner, intermediate, advanced? Last question, and it's from Thomas. Um, it's, it, it's pretty simple. It's more a case of training age. So I'd say anywhere between like zero and three years of training. Uh, actually, zero and two years of training is fairly beginner. Anything above two years to maybe five years of training is probably intermediate. Anything above five years of training is probably advanced. And that's good training. That's not just any training. That's good training. So hopefully that answers your question, Thomas. But again, I'm not sure in what context that is. But we'll leave it there, guys. We've got to 30 minutes. That's been... That flew by. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening as always. Post this up on your Instagram if you enjoyed it. Um, of course, be in tune for the rest of the podcast. I believe that I got asked a question from Damien about whether I was coming to LA, but I, have, I haven't seen that on my responses. Um, but, Damien, to answer your question, because I know that you probably watched this, I hope you have. Um, if you have, Damien, fantastic job of the weekend. Second place and a very, very hard push on Ben Howard, who won the overall. Uh, Damien looked fantastic. So Damien Lees, that's a shout-out for Damien. Uh, I will be coming to LA. I booked my flights uh, two weeks ago, and I will be flying out on Thursday. I'll be flying back on the Monday. So a very short trip to LA, but I'll be there. Be there or be square. 
and we'll be able to get some, hopefully, some uh, memories created uh, for the UK DFBA and for the team out there. And I'll be helping out filming some content, getting some interviews, etc., etc. So that'll be awesome. But yeah, other than that, guys, thanks for listening as always. Uh, hope you're all good. Any questions, please ask. I look forward to the next episode of this. And yeah, I'll chat to you soon. Peace out. In a bit.